0: You're listening to stir crazy with Steve Jenkins conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey folks, welcome to stir crazy with Steve Jenkins. I'm Steve Jenkins. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listened everyone who's reached out to tell me that they've listened and everyone who's positively rated this show if you're like those people and dig what you're listening to go ahead and smash that five star rating for me i just want to do a few quick housekeeping things up front before we get into today's episode after this week the next two weeks will be it for the two episodes per week thing I'm realizing that a lot of people are trying to keep up with all the other stuff they're dealing with, and probably one episode a week is the pace I'm going for. When I started this, there were initially 20 interviews that I conducted from the end of March into early April, and that's mostly what all of these have been comprised of uh, the episodes we've had so far. So the next four are the last of those batch, and then I'll be doing a whole new batch of new interviews with other people. So going forward, two weeks into June, it's just going to be one episode per week. Today is May 25th, which is Memorial Day. And I'm recording this message about 20 minutes before that's over. It's been a strange weekend. Normally I'd be with friends at a barbecue somewhere, but this year, I just stayed home and decided to shelter in place. I'm sure everyone's following the latest statistics. But as of today, almost 100,000 people have died in America from COVID-19. Some of these are well-known people. Some of them are not well-known, but they're all significant. And just as we need to remember and be grateful for all the soldiers and troops who have sacrificed a lot for this country, we need to also remember those we've lost to COVID-19 and keep them in our hearts. And given how this is a scary and difficult time in our history, We must celebrate those who are fighting for our health on the front lines, the people who work at our grocery stores, our delivery services, etc. It doesn't feel like it's been two months and a few days since all of this began in March, but here we are. It's been draining. It's been anxiety inducing. And it's probably been really hard for most people. And it's good that people have been productive and creative. And it's been really awesome to see all of the music collaborations and the content that people are making, but I would not trust these things as a barometer for where people's mental health is all the time. I mean, geez, this podcast is called Stir Crazy. That's a slang term. The definition of stir crazy is mentally ill because of long imprisonment or distraught because of prolonged confinement. I can't speak for everyone, but I know that my mental health is something I've constantly had to monitor since this started. I live alone, I don't have any pets, I'm single. What I do have are great friends, and I have my family, and I have a fast internet connection which gives me access to those people. But I also have to find ways to constantly keep my morale high, and that might be routines, that might be just sticking to the stuff I would normally do day in day out. I know that some days are definitely better than others, but I've been working hard at it. And I feel like we're all kind of doing that. We're all trying to hang on to stuff. And you can hear how it wears on people. I mean, we've done, I've done, uh, like 14 episodes of this so far. And if you listen to what people are saying, you can hear it in the size and the pauses and the weight of those pauses and the conversations that have taken place on this show. And there's a lot of weight to this and a lot of uncertainty, and it's a lot of mental gymnastics just to deal with it. And on most of these episodes, we don't even spend that much time talking about the coronavirus. It's just omnipresent in everything. And. It being a source of nonstop anxiety cannot be overstated. And uh, I don't have the answers, but today is a special episode that I'm dedicating to mental health. And my guest today is Dr. Susan Bodnar. She's a psychologist based in New York City. Besides her own practice, she also teaches at Columbia University. And she was also my therapist for five years, five and a half years, and the work. We did was immensely helpful to me. We talk about some different things that I know are components of what a lot of people are thinking about right about now and things that present challenges in looking ahead and predicting the future. And we had a great conversation and here's how that went. So people who can't do the work that they used to define themselves by, what would you say to someone who's sort of maybe reeling a bit because they can't do the thing that defines them the most?
1: Well, first of all, you know it's a real opportunity for for empathy and a great a great moment for uh, people who have liberal casts of mind to understand the coal miner's plight. It's you know because it, it's not something that's just affecting musicians or musicians who tour. You know, yeah. it's something that's gone on in our world lots of times, and I think that one of the things to to really like focus on is that I identity itself is not just one linear aspect of your existence, right? I I think a lot of times the way I would frame it is that there's a me, there's the me self, right? That's that's your voice inside. That's who you are. That's who you know yourself to be. Mm -hmm. And then there's your I self, right? That's the outward facing. That's your identity. And, you know, there's always this, delicate relationship between me and identity. Now, some people don't have a some people's a very distant relationship. The, the identity that they have, the outward facing self has very little to do with their me self. Uh, I think it's right. It, yeah. it, you know, but, but for other people, there's a stronger link. And, you know, I think people who are in creative professions, they, they thrive off the fact that there's more of a link me-self is the social-facing, the identity-self. But when you think about it, it's not really true. It's it's maybe partially true, and maybe there's been a greater relationship between the me-self and the sort of outward-facing identity-self, but everybody has parts of them that are really unknown and unexplored and unexamined. And this is a good time to return to that aspect of of one's interior and kind of poke around there and and see what's going on because that's where you're going to find the the impetus for the kinds of changes that might be necessary. Mm. And this is probably a situation, a time, a historical moment that's going to require change, if not long-term, certainly short-term. And this is a moment where you go to that interior attic that everyone has and you sort of see, what do I have there? What can I pull out that that is is commensurate to here and now? Hmm. And I think that I would focus on, the, the longing for intimacy, and it could, it could be, and I have no way of knowing this for sure, but it could be that this is going to be a cultural shift toward intimacy, away from the kind of large, anonymous, mega, grandiose moments mm-hmm. with a more focus on close, intimate, real, local... Venues or experiences.
0: Hmm. I mean that that all that all tracks for me. That makes makes sense. It's
1: what I think. I mean, it's kind of yeah. what I feel like I'm seeing. You know, I find it really interesting that as a psychologist, I've been zooming with all my clients. Nobody misses a session ever. Hmm. Like nobody misses, and I find that. Like really surprising because it's easier to miss.
0: Oh, because you don't have to, there's not the accountability of showing up in person. Is that the.
1: It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, a lot of ways you can miss, but you know, everyone, everyone shows up. And, and I think it's because it's, there's something really soothing about a conversation right now with another person. And and I'm looking and I'm seeing all the things that people have done with Zoom, and I think lots of I think I was just reading about Melissa Etheridge did a, was doing a daily concert at three o'clock, a Zoom concert, um, you know, and that a lot of people were watching it. And sadly, I think her her son just died with an overdose. Um, yeah, I think you know things like that. It's almost like radio used to be right? You know, people would have radio shows and followings and people would sit around and listen to the radio. Well, they're doing that a lot with music, I think, things that are, that are more intimate. And I wonder whether or not people are going to like that better.
0: It's hard to know. I mean, I know on my end of it, as a creator and someone that likes to play in front of people, there's an energy that there's nothing really like doing that. You know, and I think there's a way that kind of thing affects the process, which is really, really hard to describe. But, you know, for me, I also am fine working on music by myself in isolation. You know, like a lot of the stuff I end up making starts that way. So I don't necessarily feel that stifled. In, in in at least in the present moment, like just being left to my own devices. And I think there's like cool ways to collaborate right now. And, and I've done a little bit of that, but I also kind of feel like there's been a I I feel like there's an important moment everyone needs to have with themselves where they just hit pause and figure it out. And from a musical standpoint, I haven't been as like Anxious to just start putting stuff out there like i'm working on things now, but it wasn't like all right I'm gonna start this because I just figure It's going to come in waves people are gonna get tired of streaming so other people like come in and You know, I think I think it's gonna be a marathon And not a sprint with stuff. So there's not really a rush
1: I I couldn't emphasize that more that we're right. What we're in right now is a marathon and not a sprint and I think that's why when you I'm not when i when you think about this sort of transformation of intimacy, ultimately everyone's gonna st- get really sick of zooming, right? At some point. Yeah. Gonna, but what is it going to turn into? What what is the what is the mutation that this will it will take? And I I wonder, you know, whether or not it's going to be smaller, more local venues and which are gonna be able to open more quickly where they're going to be able to put into place the safeguards that are necessary. And people are once again, going to have the experience of being in smaller venues, hearing live music.
0: Yeah. There's and, a couple of clubs down the street from me that are, uh, there's one that's sort of like a premier venue. That's kind of like the 55 bar in the city. And they're, they're going to start streaming. Like they're going to have people play there and, they're not going to open up yet, but they're going to let bands play there and like stream them. And I'm sure if they charge people will probably pay to watch it.
1: I mean, we'll see. I I think that there's going to be so much of that kind of thing happening. And I, you know, I'm a psychologist, not a, not a, uh, I don't (laughs) have a crystal ball and not one of these futurists who can predict what, but what I see on the ground is a longing for intimacy and a return to intimacy yeah. and a movement, a way of kind of more, you know, big grandiose types of things. And especially if we enter into an economic recession or depression, you know, it's going to be the way it used to be. And I have all these, uh, I have these song books of, that belong to my grandparents, where they used to all get together at the firehouse and sing these really funny songs the lyrics which are 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 just so funny mm-hmm. um you know about that's all gather around the apple tree and like yeah <laughs> but that used to be entertainment that that's and that was considered to be a really good time and and it and it was And everybody played instruments, which was the thing. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So many people played instruments. So they'd get together at the firehouse and they'd play music and sing songs together. I wonder if there might be a return of things like that. And it was, of course, where where much more of what things were really like before um, things took off in the 60s. That's
0: true. I mean a lot of households had pianos and, and I don't know if generations going forward, if that, if that was a thing that continued, you know, but I know like for a time, like I knew, I think everybody I knew had some kind of like instrument in their house, like a piano or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if that's like a thing that just happens over time, but I wanted to ask this other question cause you kind of touched on it as far as like this thing being impossible to see around, what advice do you have for people that have a problem with lack of control? You know, cause I, I definitely feel like I have, I have issues sometimes like when I can't control the, uh, not that anyone could ever really control anything, but you know, there's not even a way to have an illusion of control over this thing um, or seeing around it. You know, it's like we're in this perpetual like the, it's almost like the movie Groundhog Day, but
1: more, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> more,
0: but more dire because you know obviously people are losing their lives and it's, well, it's scary.
1: I think that one of the things about this Groundhog Day, which you really aptly named, is that it's it's it it is impl- it, There is a lot of, a loss of life, and I feel. I mean, there's a lot of pain in the air, and. When you realize that there's no real, it's really hard to get an understanding of who who's at risk or who's vulnerable. At first, they said it was really people who are elderly, mm-hmm. but that was really because nursing homes are so poorly run for the most part that these this contagion spreads so viciously. It turns out once, it, once it's out and about, it, it can affect lots of different kinds of people and it has a lot to do with proximity and who can and who can't socially distance. Maybe. I'm, again, not an epidemiologist either. But mm-hmm. um, now we're finding out that actually young people can get it and we're finding out that you don't have to necessarily have a pre-existing medical condition. Mm-hmm. So, so who gets this thing? How do you get it? who who's getting now these kids that have this this uh inflammatory syndrome um that's related to covid who are who are now dying you know young kids Mm. what's that about and then this other thing about young people being subject to blood clots and strokes like what like can someone explain this to me and there's nobody to offer that explanation. And, and even our, you know, the esteemed Dr. Fauci, he is saying, slow down, because we don't get this yet. Not so fast. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that every day there's another piece of information which reminds everybody that, that who's there's no control here. So what do you do with that? And I think that maybe... What I see and what I know, um, again, as a psychologist who you know, spends all my time talking to people, what I have found effective because there's no research on this. There's no I can't pull out the study that says here's how to handle a global pandemic. Here's the answer because you know, and no one who's no one who survived one of these is alive except for one person who's 112. Right and. <laughs> It, it, she really exists, and she really did survive it. And she survived this one, too. She got sick, and she did not die at 112. Wow. So, okay, well, there's a there's a factor that goes against everything we're supposed to understand about this. But she doesn't really know what happened back in
0: 1918. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. It's-
1: um, so... Um, So we don't have that research, we don't have that knowledge, we don't have that understanding, and so we're building it. And we're creating it right now. And I think that the thing that I think is most important is to really, really focus on kind of tuning to yourself and others around you and sharing the experience of not being in control, understanding that it's not personal, get out of the psychopathology trap and recognize that all the things that, you know, a person might feel now, like anxious, depressed, angry, freaked out, overeating, uh, too much substance use. Like, yeah, that, that all (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Like that all could be happening because how else do you get through? I don't know. I don't know that there's a, a real answer for that, except, that to remember that you're not crazy you're not a fucked up human being excuse my language
0: no that's cool cursing not, is, is fine
1: <laughs> it's not a pathology it's it's a human being trying to wrestle with something that's really hard and to recognize you're not alone and that at some level everybody else is going through it. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different defensive structure. So people manage it differently depending on how they cope with things. I mean, I've definitely seen people particularly in, with my students, right? Mm-hmm. You know, talk about you know, trying to teach a zoom class and looking into these faces and three people want nothing to do that don't even want to hear about it. Three people are can't, you know, can't control themselves from crying. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Creepy.
1: And, you know, there's they're all different. And I'm looking at my little Zoom room and trying to say, all right, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, how do I find a, a, a thing to talk about which doesn't freak out the people who are dissociating and don't want to deal with it, but at the same time gives comfort to the people who are in the corner crying? Recognizing that people are in it together means that you can also don't be alone. Yeah. Reach out. I mean, don't be afraid to to get support. Don't be afraid to watch, reach out to friends. Don't feel afraid to reach out to religion. Don't feel afraid to reach out to, you know, mental health professionals, good ones who are, right. you know, get what's going on. Don't forget to to think about all the people in your life, family, you know, people you can talk to that don't be alone. If you're having trouble handling how out of control this is, join with others, have conversations, have dialogues. And that interior attic, which I was talking about before, where you kind of go to cultivate change, bring people in there with you. Look around that attic with others. You don't have to be alone. And you, don't, and you shouldn't be solitary. And human beings, we're meant to be together, and we're meant to go through things together. And we need to be all in this together. Hmm. So I would say those are the, the things I think about.
0: Those are great, great ideas. Thanks for, thanks for uh, saying all that.
1: I believe it. I feel it. I'm living it. I mean, seriously, I'm living it with you. I mean being a psychologist isn't giving me any kind of protective layer um, right. It just makes my job particularly useful right now but
0: yeah.
1: you know i'm 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 figuring it out with everybody I work with i'm trying to also manage it with my family we're all all in this together it's one of the few times I think that we we can say that as a as a nation.
0: I think, I think the thing that really is important with with like people figuring their stuff out, you know, so if they're going to talk to like a psychologist or I think it really stems from understanding like what, where, you know, where their stuff ends and where external things begin and how it all fits together with other people, you know, because um, I think that's the thing, like I know there's probably people that are taking this thing personally when it's not personal, you know? Right. It's it's just a weird...
1: It's a really weird thing that happened. It is not personal, and it's it's a great way that you put it, just trying to figure out that piece of, uh, you know, your part in this is to be you, you know, dig around within yourself into that me-self, bring some other people there with you, figure out what you got and figure out ways to make it work and mm. don't be afraid to make a mistake just keep trying things until they take hold and you start to figure out what what we make of this how we build from this what our new next is going to look like
0: could Point, be exciting
1: I mean it, could be better
0: it could be better i it's it's weird though you know like i i've been thinking a lot about the last 20 years and uh, just wondering if like things, some of those experiences are ever going to happen again, you know, but, but maybe also kind of just being glad that they happened the first time, you know, like I was thinking about going to, um, going to Australia or going, you know, just any of the places I've traveled when I was on the road and just, is it ever going to be possible to take the URL again and do one of those tours where, We're going like from city to city is flying like that going to be a thing. And, you know, right now it's, it's a weird thing to, uh, fathom. I've basically accepted. I'm not going to see my family probably for a year, at least that, because I don't want to fly if, if I don't have to. And it's messed up too, because my brother just became a dad and, you know, like the baby's like a month old. He got married a year ago.
1: Wow.
0: So it's like I'm seeing my nephew. I mean, but I'm also grateful that we have FaceTime and Zoom. And, you know, my mom's, she's doing well and she's healthy. But it's like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to be able to see them for a while. And, you know, I've accepted it. It's not something I'm happy about. But in terms of just thinking about the greater good and, like, what the risks are, I mean, I think that's just kind of how it's going to have to be for a little bit.
1: And it's going to be an amazing reunion.
0: It's been weird. The whole concept of greater good. I don't know. I sound really measured when I talk about it. I did actually lose my cool on someone for not wearing a mask because I just feel like half this town can't work right now. Like nobody in the entertainment business can work right now. Right. So it's like if everyone's willing to take the cut and like, you know, tighten their belts so this thing can get solved. I feel like it's the ultimate sign of disrespect for people to just not give a shit about that. But I don't know. Not everybody thinks about, I also, I also think, you know, I don't know. I I didn't feel great after I had that interaction, but I felt like, you know, I felt it was a justifiable thing to say. And I I know nobody likes to be told anything. I'm sure that wasn't like the greatest moment I could have had in all this, but, but I, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, I think everyone's brain is all over the place right now. So it's yeah. like, you know...
1: Well, that's why it's such a good time to go into that internal attic and that me-self and dig around and sort around and, and uh, take a look at those memories and take a look outside the window and start figuring out how to put the pieces together.
0: Well, thanks right. so much.
1: Oh, yeah, it was great, Steve. So wonderful to talk to you. You sound really good you make me so happy
0: oh thank you thanks no i i owe you a great deal of you know gratitude for your help and everything all right bye bye that's gonna do it for today's episode next week is the first of the final two weeks where there'll be two episodes per week going forward it'll just be one episode you can listen to stir craze on apple podcast Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Thanks so much and be well.